This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. And now, the new home of the Chicago Bears. We are live from the State Street Old National Bank Studio. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. Welcome to Black and Abdallah. Black and Abdallah. On ESPN Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Eber floats. On ESPN 1000 on this Thanksgiving Eve. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Safe travels if you're on the go today or tomorrow. One of the busiest travel days of the year tonight. You want to join us? 312-332-3776. Tyler Aki in for the guys tonight. They have the day off. We're talking bears with you as Justin Fields now. You know, he did a lot of very good things against the Detroit Lions. That was a win because of. Justin Fields game on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Unfortunately, the defense could not hold up their end of the bargain. Here's where I sit with Justin Fields. I said it a little bit earlier that Justin, I think there's an 80% chance he is not your quarterback in 2024. 80% chance he's out at the end of the year. However, He can bank up performances like what we saw on Sunday to potentially be back next year. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, best case scenario is that Justin Fields proves he's the guy and then you can use that draft capital elsewhere. And I agree. That was the best case scenario heading into this year. The best case scenario for the Bears was that Justin Fields was good enough to be on that Jalen Hurts-type path, and you can use those draft picks on something else to build the rest of your team. You pay your quarterback, and then you're really cooking with something. But Justin Fields hasn't shown us that quite yet. Last four games has been more good than bad. However, in those last four games, the team is 1-3. and three. Now, looking at how we're going to evaluate fields. I think there's an important distinction that we have to make. When you look at how we're evaluating whether or not Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future for this team, you have to balance two things here. You have to balance the last 34 games that we've seen as well as the next six. You know, Justin Fields is now in year three. He's had a lot of time in the NFL. And usually by year three, we know who you are as an NFL quarterback. There's a few exceptions here and there. Guys like Geno Smith certainly saw their development come at a later point in their career. But largely, if we're playing the numbers game here, you know who you are as a quarterback at this point in your career. So that's why I'm still putting a decent amount of stock in what I've seen in the last 34 games from Justin Fields, a.k.a. the entirety of his career prior to this upcoming Monday. However, he still has plenty of opportunities to change some minds, but it has to come down to consistency with Justin. 
Can he show that he can consistently do what he did on Sunday? Here's what my biggest thing with Justin Fields out of the thumb injury that I wanted to see to see if he would be the quarterback of the future for the Bears. I need wins. I've seen what he can do with his legs. I've seen the occasional flashes with the arm. I've seen all of that. I've also seen a lot of bad. I've seen bad interceptions. I've seen bad fumbles. I've seen bad sacks that he's taken. I've seen a lot of bad as well from Justin Fields. And I need to start seeing more consistency. And I need ultimately to see performances where you say, yep, the Bears won that game because of Justin Fields. Because he gave them a chance. I need to see because of from Justin Fields. Now, I think Sunday, even though there wasn't a win that shows up in the win column, that was a win because of performance from Justin Fields. He put the Bears in a prime situation to win. Unfortunately, there were some other things on the back end, some non-execution from receivers and the defense and all that, that led to the Bears not winning that football game. You can't ask him to do it all. You can't ask Patrick Mahomes to do it all. And if you can't ask Mahomes to do it all, it's certainly unfair to ask Justin to do it all. But I do need to see more of these win because of performances. And he banked up some goodwill, and I think he certainly made Ryan Poles' decision a little bit tougher given what he did on Sunday against the Lions. Now can you do it against the Vikings in a primetime spot? Can you go out there and show everybody that there is no doubt that he is a win-because-of quarterback and put your team in a chance to win that football game? You know, Justin Fields has completed one game-winning drive in his entire career. And quite frankly, it's not a game-winning drive. It was a Roquan Smith got an interception against the Houston Texans. Justin Fields led a yardless drive, and they just had to set up positioning for Cairo Santos to knock through the game winner. So if you're really going through the metrics, Justin Fields has never led a game-winning drive in his NFL career. If you're really getting into the context of what we've seen out of him in the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter by far and away his worst quarter as an NFL quarterback. Even in some of the games that he's won, we've seen some of the turnovers come to play. And he's given the ball away in some of these fourth quarters as well. When you look at the Denver game from earlier in the season, one of the games that was one of his best games as a Bear until things fell apart in the second half. So... When I look at balancing that and how good Fields needs to be, I need to see Justin Fields play like one of the five best quarterbacks in football for the rest of the season if he's going to be a Chicago Bear next year. And there's two reasons behind that. One, we need to see it from him. We need to see that Justin Fields is the dude, that he's got that in him to go out there and make these game-changing and franchise-altering performances But the other part, too, is that the tie does not go to the incumbent here. With the Bears having a chance to make 
the selection of whatever quarterback they may want in this upcoming NFL draft, the dart throw is worth making because of the fact that there is a lot of talented quarterbacks. And you can say, oh, it's a crapshoot. Oh, you look at this past draft. The guy who was the heralded number one pick is not and maybe the worst of the four guys that were picked in this last draft. And it may be true. It's a crapshoot. But we've also seen a number of number one overall picks work at the quarterback position. Joe Burrow worked at the quarterback position. Andrew Luck worked at the quarterback position. Trevor Lawrence, it seems like, is working at the quarterback position. All those guys, number one overall picks. Peyton Manning, number one overall. We see it work a lot, too. Sure, you get your Jamarcus Russells. You get your Baker Mayfields. But it's a dart worth throwing if you're Ryan Poles. So that's why even if Justin Fields is as good as what you are projecting one of these quarterbacks that are coming into the league in this upcoming draft, even if there is a... You think they are dead even. You think Caleb Williams is just as good as Justin Fields. You have to make the pick. You have to make the pick of Caleb Williams instead of Justin Fields. For two reasons. One, it's worth seeing if he's better than Justin Fields. And two, financially you put yourself in a much better situation as well. Because... Eventually, if you do stick with Fields, you're going to have to pay him. And if it doesn't work out, then you find yourself in the absolute nightmare situation of not having a quarterback and maybe not having as good of a draft pick as you're going to have this season. So because of all of that, you have to make the pick of Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever you project to be the guy that you think is your quarterback of the future. I still think it's Caleb Williams. And I think that because of everything that we've seen out of Fields and the up and down, turbulent nature of his career so far, that's why I think there's an 80% chance they're moving on. And he's got still six opportunities to prove me wrong. He's got six opportunities to go out there and prove that he belongs on this roster. And the other thing, too, is even if he starts to prove he belongs on this roster, he's also upping his trade value along the way. Now, I don't know what Justin Fields would necessarily fetch on the market, but I'm looking at what you could potentially get with Justin Fields if he does make this decision even tougher on you. And if you can get a pretty haul coming back your way for a Justin Fields, I don't think you're talking right now as a number one overall, as a number one a first round pick. I don't think Fields is fetching a first right now. But if he can get to that point by the end of the season, if he's playing like a guy who can get you a first round pick, then I think that even further entices Ryan Poles to move on from him. So that's why I think he has to look like a top five quarterback the rest of the way, or he is not going to be your quarterback of the future. What do you think? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. James is in New Lenox. What's up, James? 
Hey, Tyler, how you doing? What's going on? Hey, uh, I kind of couldn't disagree with you more. All right, let's hear it. Saying you have to take a quarterback. And if I'm looking at this class, yeah, it could be great, but I'm not seeing, uh, what was it, uh, um, the 83 class, Marino. Um, You're talking draft class? Yeah, like 83 is the standard. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the high end one. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be, com- I think this class is going to be compared more to the one with like Rosen and Allen and uh, Darnold, that class, where there was like four or five of them, I think, that went in the first round. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the one Baker went first, right? Yes. Believe okay. so. Yeah, I think, I think maybe Jackson was at the end of the first round or something, but. Um, Yes, there's he four was. guys. There's four guys that if I could come away with any two of them, I'm going to be completely ecstatic with because even getting them, if you have the first pick, you probably would have traded back. If I could come away with Harrison, Pashanu, Alt, or Bowers, any combination of those two, and I get that might sound weird because two of them are tackles, mm-hmm. but say you came away with those two. I'm pushing right inside, and then my swings are Jones and Davis. Um, And you're probably right up there with Detroit's offensive line. Um, But if you end up with a Carolina pick, I'm not moving back past two because I want Harrison. Only way I'm moving past two is if I'm going to three because I already have two. Um, Well, here's here's the other thing, James. I think you can move past two. Because I do think you'll still see quarterbacks go one two. Well, I think if Arizona gets two, they might go Harrison or Fashanu. But they um, could also you, say, you know what, let's trade back. Right, but it's gonna be so hard to move that uh, Murray contract. I mean I don't know how they Well get you wouldn't out of have that, to but, move the Murray contract if you're trading back in the draft. Well no, but if if Arizona's taking a quarterback They don't have to necessarily take a quarterback. Oh, I think we I think we lost him there. All right, that that was James and New Lennox. Man, uh, James, I think you may have gotten cut off there. You feel free to call back 312-332-3776. But what would you do? How good does Justin Fields have to be the rest of the way for you to commit to him as your quarterback in 2024? Tyler Rocky in for Black and Abdallah. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. up five down in about 15 minutes from now tyler rocky in for black and abdallah also have a thanksgiving question i want to throw out to some people as well you want to join the show 312-332-3776 chase on the south side what's up chase yo tyler what's happening man how you doing what up chase what's going on yeah so um yeah what you was talking about with uh justin and what i'm hoping for so um i feel like the thing is this, you know, people keep talking about um, about how he hasn't played well 
towards the end, and he's the reason why a lot – you know, well, not the reason, but a lot of people are saying that he needs to play better in close games. But people don't keep forgetting this. Like, majority of those games were not his fault, where, you know, last season when he drove the ball down the field, he threw a very beautiful, accurate ball, and uh, guys dropped passes. I mean, E.Q. St. Brown dropped the ball against Miami. Uh, There was a game where he threw – a ball to Mooney, and Moody dropped the ball in the end zone. He didn't get in. Um, and there were times where even two years ago, his rookie season against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he played one of his best games of the career. He threw for 290. Yeah. And he drove them and threw a beautiful ball to Mooney. And if it wasn't for the reps, they would have won that game. And that would have been a game on his record where people said, wow, that's a, a game. So, yes, he needs to play better, and he needs to make better decisions. But half these games where, you know, these mistakes are not all on him. Now, yes, he does need to make better decisions as far as the pocket and make and become better, you know, it, you know, as far as better on no end. But I'm not going to waste blame on him as far as that equation. Now, as far as what does he need to do to maybe solidify his spot on this roster for 2024, he just has to continue improving in the pocket, you know, and making like – do the same thing he did in a game against the Lions and the Commanders before he got hurt. He can't have a game like he can't have the same type of game he had against the Vikings before he got hurt. He can't be missing wide open guys. He can't be holding on the ball too long. He can't be, you know, having fumbles and, you know, you know, missing open receivers. Like we can't have that. Now, if we see stuff like that, you know, consistently towards these next six games, then yes, that that's what then we have to move on. But if he plays the way he played against the Lions, the Commanders, and the uh, Broncos in that, or in that early in the game, then I would say, yes, we can move forward with him. You know what I mean? So that's my whole take. And you have a happy holiday, okay, man? You, you have a happy Thanksgiving as well, Chase. You be safe out there. Appreciate you calling. Appreciate all your support all year long as well. You know, he brings up a point, too, about growing in the pocket. And I think the Detroit game was a great example of that. He was stepping up in the pocket on that strike to DJ Moore. And I think there was even self-adjustment. He missed DJ Moore earlier in that game. Remember? He missed him on a long, deep shot that was open in the end zone for DJ Moore. But he bounced back and rallied. I think it was like a quarter or two later. And he hits that same route up the seam and finds DJ Moore for a beautiful touchdown. One of the best throws that we've seen out of him in his Bears career. But this was one of the most telling stats to me. It's kind of a, they're kind of like butting head stats, but it, it makes sense when you really think through it, all right? You know, Justin Fields, a lot has been said about, oh, he's had, he's been holding on to the ball. He holds on to the ball. He takes sacks and all that. You know, against Detroit, Justin Fields had his longest time to throw of the season this past week. He had his longest time to throw, three and a half seconds. However, he took the fewest amount of sacks he's taken this season and had his lowest pressure to sack rate at 14%. That's good. That's really good stuff there because that, to me, shows that he's getting rid of the ball when he needs to and he's extending plays and showing the ability to extend plays when he has to. That's what those two contrasting stats there show me. Longest time to throw, 
lowest pressure to sack rate. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Keep growing on it. He banked some some percentage points of him coming back next year in this game. He did. He looked great in that game. He It was a win-because-of game for Justin Fields. Need to see more of it, though. I can't just see these splash performances here against Detroit, against Washington, against Denver. No, I need to see it because, sure, he's had a couple of these games where things aren't his fault, right? Tyler Scott, you got to come down with that ball. You heard Chase lay out a couple of things. The officiating in that Pittsburgh game his rookie year. You had the strip of Amir Smith-Marset last year. Darnell Mooney not getting in the end zone last year against Washington. You had all that. And yeah, those aren't on Justin Fields necessarily. But there's also moments within those games where Justin Fields can help himself out and make life easier. And for every one of those moments where Justin's not the problem, there's a Tampa Bay game where you throw the terrible pick six to Shaq Barrett. There's the game last year against Detroit where you blow a double-digit lead against the Lions. And you throw the pick six to Jeff Okuda. There's still some of these games, and you need to shake those out of... Listen, you're not going to be perfect, all right? You're going to have those games. Patrick Mahomes has those games. Josh Allen, how many times have we said that about him this year? Where they have the games where they're the reason why the team may have lost the game. Or they make a pivotal turnover, and the team loses the game. But it's just that we have that track record now where the margin for error, when we only have six more games of a sample size to determine whether or not you're the quarterback of the future... When the margin of error for error is so slim, we need to see the success. We need to. It's winning time. It's crunch time now in the Justin Fields evaluation process. You know, for all that can be made about what Justin Fields has struggled to do in the fourth quarter, he's in the fourth quarter of his evaluation process right now. He may even be in the two-minute drill of his evaluation process right now. Six games left to prove whether or not you're the quarterback of the future. Can you win this fourth quarter? This fourth quarter of potentially your Bears career. This is the fourth quarter you need to win. It's by going out, playing consistent football, and show that you're a win-because-of guy in this league. 312-332-3776 if you want to join us here. Amir is in Elmhurst. What's up, Amir? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, so I think eventually Justin Fields has now been put in the proper place to succeed. Look, I think at this point in his career, we all know that he's like mostly a scrambling quarterback that can buy time to make big splash plays. And I think that's a quarterback he can actually win with. In my opinion, if you put Justin Fields on the 2018 Bears team, we could have gotten much further in the playoffs. And then I think that ultimately, if he continues to build around Fields, he may not have the highest career if he keeps running like this or like the longest career, but I think if you can build around him and he can win you games, and you may not necessarily win because of him, but you can win with him, I think that's enough of the Chicago Bears that have never hit on a quarterback to go out and build a good team around him and get as far as he can in the playoffs. Because ultimately, even if he fails, we'll still have a good team around a different player that comes or a different quarterback that comes in. Yeah, appreciate the phone call there, Amir. Here's the only thing I would say with that is I don't think 
If Justin Fields is a win with guy and not win because of guy, I don't think he's he's going to be back. I need to see more than a win with guy because you haven't won with him. He's got six career wins. And I know wins aren't a quarterback stat, but I think the quarterbacks are a big part of whether teams win or lose football games. And if you only have six, I think that's an indictment. I think it kind of works both ways. If you have a lot of wins, you're probably a pretty good quarterback. And if you don't have a lot of wins, like I'm talking like lower rung, like bottom fifth percentile and upper fifth percentile, that's when quarterback wins, I think, do make somewhat of sense as a statistic here. Glenn's and Gary. What's up, Glenn? Man, you, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this, and, and I, I think it's too early to throw in the towel on Justin. Uh, you know, it's really – he's probably – his entire career, he's probably been the most set quarterback in the league. And he doesn't get helped out with the play calling either. I think that he has shown when he just plays, he can play. And I, I think when he's trying to stick to the the playbook, that's when he he gets into trouble, and so I I think you know just let just let the kid play. Glenn, I have I a question. He, I have a question mm-hmm. for you. What don't you like sure. about the play calling? Oh man, come on! The, we, we, the Detroit game last week, we lost mm-hmm. that because of play calling. What, I mean, what in particular? What didn't you like? Well, well, first of all, uh, you're up. You're up what twelve points and. Mm-hmm. He, you're you're trying to run out the clock. I get that. So you're running the ball, but it was too much time to just run the ball, and you aren't getting any yards. Mix a pass or two in there. Uh, they did some, mix a pass play in there. They they there's the D and listen, beautiful ball by mm-hmm. Fields, right? Tyler Scott has right. to come down with that. He shortens right. up on his route, slows up on his route a little bit. I get that. It, that's not on Fields. All right, I, I'm. I'm not pinning the, the Detroit game on anything fields, but I do think it's also a little short-sighted to say that this was on play calling. Like you had, you dominated time of possession in this game, 40 to right. 40 yep. and change to 19 and change. Yeah. You should win that yeah. game every you day. Should of win the that week. Game. Every, every, every Sunday. It, I, I think it, it's, I think it's unfair to label that on play calling. I think you want to point to defense in that game. Sure, I'm all for it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And 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 to be perfectly honest, I'd rather get rid of Eberflus than Fields. I would. That's, uh, yes. that's just my. I would my agree opinion. with that too. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, hey, you have a happy Thanksgiving. You as well, Glenn. Appreciate yeah. the phone call right. here. That's Glenn and Gary. Three one two three three two. Three seven seven six. If you want to join us, we'll take more of your phone calls when we come back. We'll talk a little Thanksgiving stuff as well. All that coming up next. Tyler Aki in for Black and Abdallah. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah are back on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. <laughs> Black and Abdallah tonight talking bears with you. You want to join us? 312-332-3776. I'll also get to five up, five down in just a moment. But first, Bryson on the south side. What's up, Bryson? 
Hey, what's up, uh, Tyler? What's going Look, on? Um, just real quick, I, I, I wanted to piggyback on what the last caller, uh, I think it was Glenn, where he did speak on the play call. And I, I, I'm sorry, I, I know you're the host. Maybe you weren't trying. I mean, you, you might have been playing devil's advocate, but the play calling is horrendous. I remember against the Broncos, this guy called three screens in a row. I don't even call three screens in a row in Madden. I never have. Well, who? I mean, well, hold on, Bryson. Who the hell's calling the screen in Madden? Exactly. So, let alone we're doing that. How hard is it to do? But, that, but that's what in, I'm saying. Though, like Madden isn't the NFL. Okay. It's not real football. Forget, forget I said that. Forget I said that. You're Forgotten. not going to call three screens in a row ever, ever. You're not. You're not going to do that. You're not going to call two running plays in a row just like he did. And the guy ran right into a brick wall, and then we just want to go deep downfield. There is a pattern of how you do things, but we just never do things the right way. We either have the quarterback and don't have the coaches, or we have the coaches and we don't have the quarterback. It, that that that's how I'm looking at the play call because it's ridiculous. That that should not occur. Where the defense and we've had a couple times this year where a defensive person came out and said, oh, yeah, we knew what they was calling. So, I mean, that is a, a straight-up indictment. And I'm not calling for the coaches to be fired. I don't want Getsy here. But, I mean, damn. They, 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 everybody see these games. You can't not say it's not the play calling. It's definitely a, on the players, too. Don't get me wrong. But if we're not coached up year after year after year after year after year, who is that on? It's on the coaches, for sure. But I think there's part of it, too, where – and thanks for the call, Bryson – we see that screen pass work. You don't complain about the screen pass when DJ Moore takes it for 40 yards. We don't complain about the screen pass when Darnell Mooney scatters for 15 yards and picks up a first down. So it goes both ways. Listen, I'm not advocating to, to death by a thousand paper cuts with screen passes. What I'm saying is I don't think the play calling is as bad as people think it is. We just don't complain about it when those plays do work. How many times have we seen the third down run work for this team and no one bats an eye? It's peculiar in the moment, but when it works, we don't complain. It's a no-win situation because then when you run a deep route, like people who want to get rid of the screen passes work and then fields get sacked because he's hanging back in the pocket then there's still complaints about the play calling and him hanging in the pocket too much and not not throwing the deep ball and so then, it's tough and then what happens when you're running and you see the screen pass but maybe you have a read up the middle and you're looking for cole Komet up the seam and maybe cole Komet's covered and you have to go to the screen there so i think it, it works on multiple angles here as well all right each week on black and abdallah we go through the five best teams and the five worst teams in the nfl it's called five up five down it's brought to you by west coast men's health up and down five up high five five down down low just low five up and five down with black and abdallah on espn 1000 and down all right, we're going to run through our five best teams and our five worst teams in the NFL. All right, let's start with number five. My number five team is the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know they lost a very, very tough game against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. A great game. Maybe not the ideal conditions, but 
this is still a Chiefs team with Patrick Mahomes. I'm leaving them in my top five. But it's not because of the quarterback. It's because of the defense. The defense has been fantastic this season. And even though there's a lot to be desired in that receiving room, and it seems like Travis Kelsey becomes Robert Tunyon when Taylor Swift's not at the game, but I still think the defending Super Bowl champions have a spot in my top five right now. They are my number five team in football. Number four, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. You know, they just roll some of these really good teams. And for that reason, I have to put them inside of my top five. We saw them against the Cowboys earlier this year, 42 to 10. They crushed the Jaguars on the road, too. Jaguars are a solid team. They, they've put a hurt on a number of these teams. I know they had the little three-game losing stretch where people were a little skeptical about what they could be. I don't know if Brock Purdy was 100% through all of that, but they seem to have righted the ship. They have a plus 122-point differential. They don't play in close games. And for that, I've got them at number four. Number three team, the Detroit Lions. Who would have thought the Detroit Lions at this point in the season would be my number three team in all of football? But that is where they reside at eight and two. And that game on Sunday, coming back against the Bears, down two touchdowns with about four minutes to play. Great teams win that game. Good teams don't win that game. Great teams win that game. And that's exactly what the Detroit Lions proved to me. That's why they're number three. Number two. The Baltimore Ravens, the best point differential in the NFL right now at plus 127. Lamar Jackson has been a little up and down. He's had some moments. That Browns game wasn't pretty, but hey, I'll give it to the Browns. They have the best defense in all of football right now. They rally and respond with a blowout over the Bengals on Thursday night, and now it all sets up for a primetime battle against the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday Night Football. I think there's a lot of really good pieces on this team. Losing Mark Andrews hurts, but the defense has been fantastic for this team this year, and Lamar has played good enough for me to put them at number two, and he's led a pretty high-flying offense so far this season. Baltimore, my number two team. Number one, the Philadelphia Eagles. They've got the best record in football right now at 9-1. and one. Believe it or not, their lone loss is to the New York Jets, a team led by Zach Wilson. But that's where they are right now, 9-1 and one on the season. This is a gauntlet stretch for the Philadelphia Eagles. They had the Monday night game that they just played against the Chiefs. Before that, they played the Cowboys. This weekend, they've got the Bills followed by the Niners. Then they're at Dallas. So it is a gauntlet here. For the Philadelphia Eagles, if they come out of this thing around 500 in this five-game stretch, if they're 3-2, and 2-3, two, two and three, that's a damn good football team and a no-doubt number one football team in the entire league. And then you close out the season pretty soft. You go at Seattle, home against the Giants, home against the Cardinals, and then at the Giants. You know, I kind of look at the Eagles, and it's funny based on their personnel too, as a NFL version of Georgia. They've got a ton of Georgia guys on their team, but Georgia was kind of sleepy. Like they weren't great in the beginning of the year. They took care of business. Like the Eagles took care of business. Uh, sleepy win against the Patriots, non-dominant against the Bucks, squeaker against the Commanders, nine-point game against the Rams, touchdown game against the Commanders. 
and they haven't been overwhelming in the results department. But when the competition steps up, boom, two touchdown win against the Dolphins. Boom, you go out and beat the Kansas City Chiefs in their house. It feels like they are kind of the NFL version of the Georgia Bulldogs. And those final four games, I would not be surprised if we saw the Eagles lay a hurt on those teams. So for that, you've got the Philadelphia Eagles as my number one team in all football. All right, let's get to five down here. Five worst teams in the NFL. I'm going to start with the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals right now are sitting at 2-8 and eight and in position right now for the number two overall pick. However, the Arizona Cardinals have gotten a little bit of a jolt. They won a game with Kyler Murray, and they were competitive in a game and got big turnovers on C.J. Stroud last week in a narrow loss against the Texans, 21-16. to I think Kyler's given them a little bit of a jolt. Even though they've got the second-worst record, I don't think they are the second-worst team. Arizona is my team 28. 29, I've got the New York Giants. I know Tommy DeVito went out and won a game last week, and I salute my fellow Orangemen. However, he's a bad quarterback. He wasn't good in college. He's not going to be good in the pros. Sure, he had his moment, and good for him. I'm happy. I'm sure it was nice having your mom tuck him in at home at night that night as well. But Tommy DeVito is not good enough, and there's not a good enough defense and rest of roster infrastructure here to warrant the Giants anywhere besides 29th on my list. 30, it's where we find the Chicago Bears. Bad teams lose that game. I mentioned Detroit Lions. Good teams win that football game. The Chicago Bears, bad teams lose that football game as well. That's exactly what the Bears did. Did not execute down the stretch. I know Justin Fields has given them a little bit of a jolt here, but I don't think it's as much as what Kyler Murray is providing for the Arizona Cardinals. And for that, the Bears are team number 30. Team 31, who would have thought the New England Patriots are looking like the most dysfunctional football team right now in the entire league? But that's where they are. Three quarterbacks on the roster, and it doesn't seem like anybody there knows who's going to start. I don't even know if Bill Belichick knows who's going to start there. A minus 97-point differential, and this team has been a mess all season long. We may not see Bill Belichick back in his hoodie on the sidelines of Gillette, and for that, it's gotten that dire that who would have thought the New England Patriots, the second-worst team in the NFL. And last... And certainly least is the Carolina Panthers. One and nine record, and it doesn't look like anything's getting any better anytime soon. God bless Ryan Poles for getting their first round pick this year. And that is five up, five down. Up and down. Five up. High five. Five down. Down low. Just low. Five up and five down with Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. And it's all brought to you by West Coast Men's Health. When we come back, I've got a Thanksgiving question for the fellas here today. We'll do all that when we come back here on Black and Abdallah. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. 
Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Thank you, Sean Brady and Jack McGrath for producing today's show. Tyler Rocky in for Black and Abdallah tonight. Appreciate you all hanging out and hope everyone has a safe and fun and great Thanksgiving tomorrow. Real quick, I do want to squeeze in a few calls, and then I've got a quick question for Sean and Jack before we get out of here. you got to be quick. Jonathan Belmont. Real quick, Jonathan, what you got? Yeah, I just wanted to call in because I keep hearing all the Lou Gessie talk about, you know, how we got to get rid of him, and I just think that there's a couple of things that we failed to point out with him, and that's like for one last year when at the beginning of the season when our offense looked abysmal. We had the horrible game against Washington, and then the next week he pretty much changed the entire offense on a mini bye week and somehow conformed to what our quarterback does do best. And next thing you know, I've seen our offense scoring points that I've never seen a Bears team score in my lifetime. Um, this year, similar in the beginning of the season, I, I believe there was some roadblocks because I think just like everybody wanted to see Justin from the pocket, he was calling more of a game plan to see if we could suit that. Um, then he pivoted, and next thing you know, Justin had those great games, and nobody complained about the offense those games when he was damn near perfect in the first half against Denver. That was the offensive game plan that, that Luke Getze called. And we yeah. came from Matt Nagy, who we criticized for never changing the offense and trying to basically make the quarterback fit his offense versus the other way around. It's just like we never know what we really want. You know, to me, Luke Getze's shown growth for a man who's never done this before. Yeah. Um, he's rolling out a job, and, and I've seen the personal growth um, and his play calling. So just wanted to chime in, heard everybody yeah. always dogging him, and I just don't agree with that. Totally agree with you there, Jonathan. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's something – I mean, this is his second-year calling plays, and I think we have seen growth out of Luke Getze, believe it or not. I know that's not the most popular opinion in this city, but I do think that's that's the real truth. All right, Jack and Sean, they're producing the show today. First of all, happy Thanksgiving to both of you. But happy I have to ask you, Tyler? what is your most unpopular Thanksgiving opinion? You know, Thanksgiving have, has all of a sudden, I feel like in the last couple of years, it used to be the most universally loved holiday, and now it feels like the most polarizing holiday. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Some people could do without it. Some people don't care either way. But what is each of yours least popular Thanksgiving opinion? Go first, Jack. Oh, boy. All right. Well, I think I'm going to go with stuffing. Overrated. Completely. It is one of my least favorite Thanksgiving foods. Give me the turkey. I'll take the potatoes. Stuffing, I don't need it. You know what's funny? Yeah. That is exactly mine. Really? Every single year. we steal it? We actually, we actually just put up a video on our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok accounts, ESPN 1000 cross-platform. Mm-hmm. And I said every single year, I'm like, you know what? This is the year. I'm going to enjoy stuffing this year. Yeah. And I try it every single year. And nope. I try. I try to like it every single year. And every single year. It's dog bleep. I don't. I don't know if it's the texture for me or the flavor, but it's just. It doesn't work. I think work. it's a combination of both. It doesn't work for me. I, I despise stuffing. I'm gonna try it again this year, and guess what? I'm still gonna hate it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not gonna be for oh, me. Man. Sean, what's yours? For me, it's it's the dressing. I mean, I just. I don't know what it is about. I and like I'm kind of like you guys. I just have never gotten into dressing. I don't know if it's 
what they what my family puts in it. I don't know if it's just just we don't really do a dressing. You really. saying like dressing on your salad, or are you saying gravy on the turkey, or something different? See, my family just makes plain dressing, and you know what they do with it? They have a I don't know if I want to call it a sauce, but like they have like a like a topping on it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a side dish to where you can put it on, you know, turkey. You can put it on, you know, your different, you know, Thanksgiving. But you it's know. not like a gravy, right? No, it's a little no. different. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's mine. I mean, yeah, I've never been a dressing guy. Gotcha. Well noted. Yeah, I, I, I just don't listen. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try to like it again this year. Maybe this last year. I will say. I think I came close to liking it last year. Last year was the closest I've ever come to liking stuffing. What was it about last year, though? I don't know. It, don't, don't they say your taste buds change like every seven years yeah, or something like that? Yeah. Completely new taste buds. Eventually, you grow up. Like I was, actually, <laughs> I was having this conversation with you Jeff Mellor earlier. Like, <laughs> there's a certain turning point in everyone's life where they just they like Brussels sprouts all of a sudden. At some point, you grow up. I think it was Carmen talking about earlier today. He was making Brussels sprouts for Thanksgiving, and I just couldn't get yeah. a look of disgust off my face. Yeah. All Can't right, that's going to do it for us here on Black and Abdallah. I'll be back with Jesse Rogers, 2 to 6 on Friday. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Black and Abdallah, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.